see that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven, their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the 99 on the mountains and go in search of the one that went astray? And if he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it more than over the 99 that never went astray. So, it is not the will of my Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Good morning. Nice to, I was saying nice to see you, nice for you to see me, uh, but nice to be with you. Uh, we are looking currently at the parables of Jesus as part of our Paradox series as we go through the book of Matthew. And today we're looking at the story of the lost sheep. Parables are simply stories that Jesus told that have a spiritual meaning. They're stories that have got a lesson for us to learn, that we might understand ourselves a bit better maybe, but more importantly, that we might see God. And as I've been considering this story this week, I've been thinking, well, it's got some aspects of the kind of the underdog in it. There's this kind of lost sheep who's out there kind of against all odds. And I was considering the fact that we as people, we love underdog stories. Um, I've been watching the Matrix films with my sons recently. They've come of age so we can look at some old classics. And uh, considering there's that kind of group of people fighting against the machines. And so whether it's uh, fictional stories like that or maybe factual events, things that happened in history, they grab our attention. Again, thinking of Leicester City winning the Premier League a few years ago. At the beginning of that league, there were 5,000 to 1 to win the league. Unbelievable odds, but they went on to win it. And uh, obviously, if, we, you're, if you're one of the teams kind of uh, trying to compete against them for the top position, then yeah, you wouldn't have celebrated the underdog success, but everyone else did. Everyone's like, wow, this team, they've absolutely undone the big top teams. Why is that? Why do we love an underdog story? That's what I've been considering. Here's three reasons maybe why. One, it might be it's because we're inherently compassionate to those who have it against the odds, those who are up against it. Or maybe more likely, number two, we're a bit cynical. Just kind of cynically, we don't like people who succeed a lot. And maybe there's some jealousy and we like seeing the top teams topple, the top people topple. Those who have all the resource, they have a fall from grace. They uh, receive a bit of humili- humility or humili- humiliation. Humiliation. Maybe it's some of that involved. Or maybe third option. Maybe it's because we spot a bit of ourselves in the underdog. Actually, all of us are up against it at times. Not all of us are currently winning or always winning. Not all of us have our wants and needs met in a way that we would like. And uh, we just could do with a leg up. We could do with things being turned upside down so we're doing better in life. Today, we're going to look at a story of a sheep who is, yes, against all odds. Not an underdog, but an under sheep. And... Uh, and how, how, how does it come to be that they get rescued and sorted out? And what does that mean for us? And whenever we look at parables, it's easy to put ourselves in them and uh, think it's about us. And uh, there is an element where that's true. But the reality is Jesus told these stories so that we could see him better. So that we could see that his kingdom that he's building more clearly. And so we need God's help to do that this morning as we look at this passage. So let me pray for us as we do that. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for your scriptures. Thank you for what they communicate about who you are in your might and power, but also in your love and grace towards us. And I do ask right now, whoever's listening live or maybe listening later in the week, 
that you might just open their ears to hear what's being said. You might open up their hearts to receive what it is that you want to say to them particularly, what you want to reveal of yourself to them, that they might uh, know you better, that they might receive you more into their lives, that whether they've known you for many, many years or whether this is the first time hearing the truth about who you are. God, be with us by your Holy Spirit, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So this parable of the lost sheep uh, actually appears twice in the New Testament. It's told twice, once in the book of Luke and once here in the book of Matthew. And uh, for the large part, they are very similar. They have a sheep that's lost. They have 99 that are left behind. They have a good shepherd that goes and finds the lost one. But they are told in very, very different contexts. One, the one in Luke, the one that you'll heard before many times, is the one that just definitely gets preached the most is where Jesus is addressing religious leaders. He's calling them out on the fact that they're saying that religion is for those who are sorted. And Jesus is saying, that is not Christianity. That is not God's truth. God's truth is that salvation, that God's love is for the needy and the broken, for the sinner who needs to come to him. And when they do, when God finds them, then there is a part in heaven. All heaven rejoices over the one that comes and joins the flock, that comes and joins God's family. And really, it's a bit of a rebuke to religious leaders. Here in Matthew, this is the lesser known lost uh, sheep. The lost sheep, maybe. Uh, that, that kind of Matthew, uh, that Matthew is telling the story of Jesus addressing. And the context of this is very different. It's not really a street corner kind of proclamation. It's more Jesus gathering his disciples, gathering his friends around for a meal, maybe around the campfire, and just addressing the things that are going on right there and then. And uh, in this one, we see that Jesus is saying to the, he's kind of addressing the disciples uh, and, and saying to them, I'm asking you to be different to what you are trying to be. The disciples had come to Jesus with a dispute. They'd clearly been arguing behind the scenes. Who is the greatest? Is it me? Is it you? Who's the favorite to Jesus? And eventually he said, let's, let's go ask Jesus. Let's let him settle the matter. So they come and say, Jesus, you know, which of us is the greatest? And uh, Jesus doesn't rebuke them, doesn't deal with them as I would deal with them, but instead begins to teach them, begins to pass them and say, you know what? Let me teach you about what is great in, him, in my kingdom. First thing he does is brings a little child before them, says, you know what? This little child, not childish, but childlike, good kind of trusting faith. You need to be like that. And he goes on to then give this parable about this lost sheep. And uh, whenever the Bible talks about sheep and shepherds, this is the shortcut to this principle that we find over and over again in the Bible, that God cares for the least. God cares for those who are in difficult circumstances. And uh, that's the way the Bible sets itself up. God cares for the lost. He cares for the frightened. He cares for the soiled, the losers, the failures of this world, for the downcast, the leprous, the sinner, the tainted, the weak, and yes, the lost as well. That's the way that God works. That's the way of Christianity. It's not for those who've got it all together. It's for those who know they haven't. And uh, some people would say, oh, Christianity is a bit of a crutch for those who need one. I'm like, yes, that's true. Exactly that. Jesus is the one who holds us up that we need. And that's a lot of the motivation behind our COVID care fund. We want to care for the vulnerable, those who we do life with, yes, but those in our city and even those around the world. That's why we're putting that front and center this month. That's why we're saying to you, join in with what God is doing. He cares for the most vulnerable and we want to do the same. 
We want to do it with our actions. We want to do it with our words. And yes, we want to do it with our money. So let's be those who are considering how we can do that together today. But for us, why is Jesus telling us this story? Why is he making this point about sheep and shepherds? Well, because he wants us to be both. In this story, there is that paradox playing out. Jesus is saying, you know what? You are like this sheep in the vulnerable situation. But I'm also calling you to be like a courageous shepherd. And we're going to look at those two things together today. First thing we need to do is we need to see that we are like sheep. We need to admit that we need to have some humility. Admitting that life is tough. For the sheep in this story, they live in kind of bad lands where there's wolves and sheep that are kind of uh, predators taking them out, looking to see which one they can eat. There's eagles circling around, seeing who can they pick off and kill and eat and destroy. Living in lands where grass is sparse and having to move from place to place where life is tough. You know what? And life is tough for us. To different levels for different people watching, I'm sure, but for each of us this year, all our difficulties being exacerbated by the introduction of COVID to our world. A year like none of us have ever known before. But even without that, the world is a confusing place to live with all kinds of challenges and difficulties. And it's okay to be real about that. It's sometimes easy to get lost in chaos and confusion. And in lockdown, it's very easy for us to get disconnected from the flock. Easy for us to, to wander off. We've not got our weekly meetings on a Sunday in the same way. I able to meet up in small groups or even just meet up at all. And I love the fact that lo- lockdown, lift, uh, lockdown restrictions are lifting so we can get a bit more of that contact with one another. But life is tough. We also need to admit that we are weak. Sheep are the proverbial foolish animal who wanders off. And uh, being compared to that might seem a little bit harsh. When your Jesus is doing it, though, we know it comes with kindness. He's kind of holding up a mirror and saying, well, this is what you're like. You are one who is weak, who is vulnerable, who wanders off in confusion at times. We all have our bad days. None of us have got it all together. We all have our character flaws. We mess up, whether with our work or our relationship, with our finances. We each have our doubts, our fears, our failures. None of us can say we are free from all those things. Yes, we might not be totally bad, but there is plenty of bad in us. Plenty that we need saving from. If we're not careful, we can look at this story and think about this sheep as a kind of a little lamb that's naive that's just wandered off. But Matthew doesn't lead us, let us do that. He, he kind of sandwiches this parable between talk of temptation and, and uh, unforgiveness. And he's really addressing the fact that we wander off often actively. It's because there's stubborn, stubbornness in us. We choose to make bad and unwise choices. Now, we are those who are vulnerable to temptation, those who are vulnerable to doubt our faith, doubt Jesus. You might not even yet know him, but the truth is, even if you do, there are still challenges ahead. I love Baptism Sunday we have here at Manuel. I've not had them for months, and I'm looking forward to when they come back and we get to see people getting the pools of baptism, declaring that Jesus has found them, taken them from their wandering and brought them into, their, into his flock, into his family. And they go down to the waters of baptism saying, I've died to my old life and I'm raised to a new life. But it must be honest with ourselves that life isn't suddenly perfect from that point on. You don't come out of the baptism waters and suddenly life is smooth sailing. No, life is tough and we are still like wandering sheep who get things wrong. I love the hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. 
has two lines which I love to reflect upon. It says, um, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. I've said those words to God a lot of times. Like, God, you know my proneness to wonder from you. I know you. I know your love for me. I have times where I feel so close to you, but yet I know that's not a continuous state. There's many times I'm prone to wander off in my own thoughts and feelings, my sins and my temptations. Each of us has need for a rescuer. Need of the good shepherd. From my house, from my kitchen and from my bathroom window, I can see sheep. They're there grazing on Brighton Race Hill, just not far from my house. And I often walk past where they're grazing when I take my dog for a walk. And those sheep, they have a shepherd as well. In fact, they have a couple of shepherds. I think their names are Steve and Gary. And I know their names because they're printed on a sign next to the meadow and uh, along with their mobile numbers. And as passers-by, if you see the sheep in distress of some way or some concern, you can call the shepherds and uh, they can uh, get the call and they can uh, put their wellies on. They can leave their farmhouse or their homeless suburbs and bring their Land Rover over to the meadow and uh, come and make sure the sheep are okay. That's the kind of shepherds we have today. That is not the kind of shepherd that Jesus is, though. Jesus is like a Judean shepherd back in first century Palestine. That uh, he uh, lived with the sheep. He knew what it is to be with them, to live in those bad lives where the grass is sparse, where there's all kinds of predators and dangers and discomfort. And that, that kind of uh, sheep, uh, that those kind of sheep had a shepherd whose na- uh, voice they knew. So when John mentions it later uh, in one of his letters, he said, you know, my sheep, they know my voice. And uh, that's the kind of sheep and shepherd that we, we read of in this parable. Where the shepherd knows his sheep. He teaches them who he is. They know his whistle. They know his voice so they can stay close, stay out of danger. But the shepherd is with them. And, and at times, those sheep would wander off to the point where they couldn't hear the shepherd's voice anymore. They'd wander down a ravine, ravine or a gully and got lost or they'd climbed up too high onto a craggy rock and couldn't get down again. And at that point, we kind of see what kind of shepherd there is. And this good shepherd here, we see many features of who he is. And uh, we've got time to unpack everything that he is and what he is to us. But let's just look at four features together in the short time we've got. The first thing we see in this parable, that he is a shepherd who cares for the one. That's kind of front and centre for us. There's the 99 he leaves behind. It doesn't make numerical sense in lots of ways. You know, to leave by 99, there's 99 sheep now you're leaving in risk. But he's like, but I care so much for the one. And Christianity, so much of the glory of Christianity is the fact that, that uh, Jesus is gathering people from every tribe and t- uh, uh, tongue and nation, people from around the world, around, down through history together as one family before himself. But he's also the, one that ca- he's also the God that cares about the one, cares about us individually. He knows us, knows our frame, knows how we're made, knows our thoughts, knows our feelings, knows our circumstances. And he cares for each one of us. I have got quite a few kids and uh, I sometimes make the mildly funny dad joke when people ask me where one of them is. I say, oh, I don't know, but it doesn't really matter. I've got plenty of others. And uh, which, yeah, is mildly funny at the time, but we would be abhorrent if one of them was actually missing. I have had moments in time where one of my kids, I don't know where they are from, I think they're genuinely lost or could be in harm's way. And you've got to be kidding if I just joke it off at that point. At that point, I fervently seek them. I want to know where they are and I won't stop till I find them. That's this kind of shepherd. That's this kind of God. He cares about where you are and he tenderly wants to find out where you are. 
I love when uh, Matt was preaching earlier this uh, year. He talked about the fact that we are not on God's list. We're on God's lips. He knows your name. He cares about you. You're not just a number in a flock. No, you are a sheep that he cares about in your own right. So yes, he's one who cares about the one. He's also the one who is patient. Sheep are, like I said, the proverbially foolish animal that wanders off. And in reality, wanders off down the same lost path each time. Gets caught in the same bush. Goes up to the same craggy rock trying to get over the, the mountain. And gets stuck in the same place time and time again. That's like us. All of us have our kind of greatest hits, the same sins, the same doubts, the same fears and failures that we go back to time and time again. But the Bible tells us that God is long-suffering. He's slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, very hard to exhaust his love for you. He knows what you're like. He knows the sins that you're tempted by. And he still has great joy bringing you back from them. He still forgives you each time you come back to him. We ourselves, we roll our eyes when someone makes the mistake twice. I know I do with my kids, very quick to become grumpy if they make the same, twice, same mistake twice. God is not like that. He does not roll his eyes at us, but patiently draws us back to himself. He goes after the one, he's patient. He's also sacrificial. The shepherd, yes, he's patient, but he also exposes himself to great danger to go after us. Grave danger, in fact. Not like the shepherds on the meadows near my house who just turn up in the Land Rover. No, he lives with them. He lives in the danger of the predators there. He lives in the exposure to the elements. Like Jesus. Jesus left his home in heaven, the glories of heaven, and came to earth, came to be incarnate in flesh, to do life with us, to feel the pains and sorrows we feel, to live in obscurity, and even when he had his public ministry, to face all kinds of mocking and ridicule, and eventually to be arrested and tortured and murdered. Why? So that he could find you. So he could find me. So he could rescue us from the punishment that we deserved. Where we had willingly wandered off. Where we willingly rebel against God. When we do all kinds of things wrong. Thinking and uh, kind of saying and doing. God comes and stands in our place. Gets into the place of the lost one. And eventually dies in our place. Massively sacrificial for you and for me, laying his life down for the sheep. Last one I want to say, number four, is he rejoices. He rejoices over the ones that get saved. If you're a believer here this morning, God rejoiced. Heaven had a party when you first responded and joined his family. If you don't yet know God, God wants to say to you, come, be part of my family. When you do, heaven is going to go crazy over you. But God's rejoicing over you doesn't end there. You think, oh, yeah, but I've messed up now. My kind of clean sheep being brought into the family, that's suddenly that's diminished by the fact that I've sinned again, maybe. As a believer, where you've wandered off. No, when you come back, he rejoices again. You think, really? Yes, God rejoices. If you're here this morning, you're coming with weakness, maybe with some shame and guilt, and you bring it to God and you repent, you know what? Jesus rejoices over you. That's his default position, is joy over you, his children. He does not tut at you. He does not roll his eyes at you. He's not grumpy about you. He loves you. That's the kind of shepherd he is. And that's the kind of shepherd that he's calling each one of us to be as well. That's the paradox here. We are sheep who have great humility and have all, have all the right to feel weak. But God's saying, but even in your weakness, I'm calling you to something great. Jesus is saying, come and join the thing that I'm doing on the earth. I'm the good shepherd, but come and be under shepherds with me. And uh, we see this right throughout the Bible. 
Jesus, uh, right at the beginning in Genesis, uh, God says to Abraham, I want to bless you. Why? Because I love blessing you. But also so that you might be a blessing to those around you. When Paul writes to the Corinthian church, he says, you know what? You've been reconciled by God, brought back into relationship with him. Why? Because God loves you. But also so you can go and reconcile others. Blessed to be a blessing, reconciled to reconcile. And here in this parable, found so you can go and find others. That we can be like the good shepherd. We're called into this amazing work together. He's saying, as a church, let's be like that. Let's be the ones who, let's be people who care about the one. Let's be those who are sacrificial in our love and uh, towards one another. Let's be those who are patient with each other in our weakness. And let's be those that, um, uh, what was the last one? Rejoice. Have joy over one another, not contempt, not despising each other when we get it wrong, but rejoicing in the fact that God's put us together in this flock, that we might have joy over one another. That's difficult, that's hard, but when we get it right, it is glorious and shows something of God and his great gospel. Let me tell you a quick story about how this reminds of something in, in my own life, a time when I was lost. And when I was a young adult, uh, there was a couple of years where life was tough uh, for me the circumstances I found myself in, but also the circumstances of my own making, some of my own unwise choices. And uh, at that time, I was living with my parents and I was angry at the world and probably angry at God, but in reality is they bore the brunt of my anger. And there's one evening which I remember as clear as yesterday when I was in, my, in, in our living room together and uh, one of them said something that just prodded some of the hurt in my heart. And in response, I let out a torrent of abuse. I just found every personal insult I could possibly throw at them and uh, used every harsh word and offensive word I can think of to hang it all on. Spouted it all forth and then stormed out of the room and with as much venom as I could muster, slammed the door behind me, marched upstairs and with rage slammed my bedroom door and sat down on my bed. My heart pumping, full of anger, full of rage. But suddenly it began to subside and suddenly guilt and shame started to creep in. I suddenly thought, maybe I've pushed it too far this time. No, there's a, a war in me. No, no, they deserve it. But I was like, no, but not the things I said. That was despicable. Maybe this is too far this time. And I sat on my bed. I could hear footsteps on the stairs. And uh, suddenly fear gripped my heart. And then I, clear as day, I remember it now, the, the handle on my door opens. And uh, my mum stands in the doorway. And she says to me, Stephen, I just want you to know, me and your dad, we love you so much. And we're so sorry for what you're going through right now. We know we are here for you. We are praying for you. If there's anything you need, you let us know. Sleep well, son. Good night. And she closes the door behind her. In that moment, I was livid. I was ready to go for round two. But suddenly, just my heart melted. And so I went from a place of just being arrogant and angry and over the coming months, just begun to see, you know what? God, you came to find me. How do you find me? You came through the agency of other people, through my parents. It's a beautiful thing when you see that in a family. It's even more beautiful when you see it in the family of God. We are being called to go to one another in our weakness, in our lostness, whatever that look like, looks like. Sometimes it looks like someone being angry and offensive towards you. We want to respond and defend ourselves. God's saying, no, no. If you want to be great in my kingdom, that's not the kind of response. The response that Jesus is calling for is gentleness, is sacrificial, is intentional, is patient, seeks after the one and seeks to understand them. 
Let me ask you, who in your life right now do you need to go to? Who is it you can express some of these glorious gospel truths to that Jesus might be shown for who he is? This grace might be shown for what it is. Let's commit ourselves saying, God, we need your help in this. It's difficult. It's tough. It's tough because often you feel like the lost one. You're thinking, who's coming to me? Who's coming to sort me out? Well, let me tell you, if each of us wait for that to be answered, none of us will really join in the shepherding that Jesus has called us to. We've got to know, yes, we are lost sheep with all kinds of difficulty, but also being called in these moments to be those who shepherd others, who go to them as well. So who is it this week that you need God's help with? Ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, help me to be one who is like you. Help me to emulate you, uh, the good shepherd, this week. As I've been con- kind of, uh, considering this story and considering the fact that I am a pastor, which is just another word for shepherd, I, by vocation, that's what I do. I've been considering all the ways in which I fall short at this. I'm not a very patient. I'm not always that intentional. I think it's sacrificial or costly. I'm definitely going to think about it twice before I do it. And uh, I just felt like, oh, all those people that I've not quite done it right with, Lord. And uh, God just comes to me and says, yeah, that's because you're still a sheep. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the perfect one. I care for those people more than you'll ever care for them. And maybe this morning you're feeling like, I wish I'd done better with this. Well, that's where God's grace comes and finds us, comes and grabs us. So whether you need to come to Jesus for the first time, whether this is the umpteenth time you're coming to him, you know what Jesus rejoices over you. Or maybe you're feeling some guilt about being the good shepherd. Don't worry. Come to the good shepherd. Jesus, the one who saves you, loves you and rejoices to you. Let's each of us right now, let's come to Jesus, our good shepherd.